a guni corn, erin gaital chesis minum, buikasum creek wallyev, her father sucked and fearkin fulcher at Arishiv, Rome Hain, Revma van Kayla Sivin, Isiat Sanato, etiash the lum. Isinta Conrade, go will, and made Chate Erene, Cagasitson, will see Marco Gursierne, Agasagorge, Balia, Lecale, Tronon, the Downe Cagas, and Witne. And for in it, the ash, the last air come with me, a gullavood and filia a wire. A tree slim lishon taurani, a skirt of the moon, Agus Nakultori, Peter than Scott, Agus as intercomminch of Kilir, Tian of Asta. Ambassador Keating, Henri Consul, General Neve McMahon, distinguished guests. May I say, uh, what a great privilege it is to be here, and how wonderful it is to see so many Irish people gathered uh, on a Sunday afternoon for this, my, the final event of my state visit uh, uh, to New Zealand. I want to thank all those, Professor Gamester and others, who, and indeed all those who, who have been involved with making the arrangements uh, for this afternoon's reception, enabling it to be held here at such a prestigious venue, the Auckland Memorial Museum. I am privileged as President of Ireland to be accompanied on behalf of the Government by the Minister for Justice and Equality, Charles Flanagan. And I'm also very, very privileged to have been introduced by the Ambassador. And I do want to say that uh, we have an Honorary Consul General Neve McMahon, uh, somebody who has been working now for a number of years for the Irish in all of their circumstances. And I want to thank her for all that she has done in the name of Ireland uh, for, for those here. <laughs> when I came here in 1997 for the first time to New Zealand, Rodney Walsh was the Consul General. He was Consul General for 37 years, and he really is associated with everything associated with Ireland from now the Ireland Fund, but also St. Patrick's Day, all the different celebrations. And it was for that reason I had the privilege as President of Ireland, Marutron Heron, uh, to recognise that with one of the presidential awards. I want to thank Rodney for that third, almost four decades of service here. To New Zealand. I think as well, as this is my final speech, uh, I want to, before I say, th say that, to say what a privilege it was to listen to a wonderful singer from the Monster Gelthard and those wonderful musicians. It, I was at school with the father of Mr. Costi, the fiddler. <laughs> All I have to say to him, his father in Innes will be very proud of him. Uh, but I think... <laughs> But Nicole this was the Shahan Trio in a Remy, the Gesht of Federation of Kyol, Dan Korti Figur Shah, Akastri Slim Lobs Gong Puika Slope. I so thank them. And as this is my final speech on these two straight visits that I have undertaken in New Zealand and before that to Australia, I want to thank all those who've worked so hard to make those visits possible and all those who made the advance trips, those who've met and helped them, those who cooperated with them the government departments involved, 
the staff of the presidency, the Honoris Neutron, who, and who had been such assistance to Sabine and I, not only those who have travelled with us, but those who have helped us. I know who you are, and you will know how you have helped, and please take my sincerest gratitude and thanks uh, for your assistance. I do want to say at the very beginning, too, about this wonderful reception I had here this evening. May I thank those who provided us uh, with the poetry, and it was such an authentic form of welcome on so many occasions since I came to New Zealand. I, want, I was very moved by those powerful words about Maori culture and the Maori language and the Irish language and the Irish culture and that we heard at the very beginning of our meeting here this afternoon. May I say my wish for the Maori language and Maori culture is that not only it comes to be known widely and at every level, but that it ought to be used. In our case, it is because we have secured it in its knowledge and through our schools. We struggle sometimes to make sure that people use it with confidence every day. Use it with confidence every day and you will find generations in the future will say it is one of our most distinctive marks. One of the persons who went on to become the very first president of Ireland on Creven Even, Douglas the Heather. The Irish language had sunk to usage less than 12% in Ireland by the end of the 19th century as people were forced to leave their language aside to even survive in immigration after a million people dying in a famine and while food was being exported and two million were forced to immigrate. So this is a powerful thing we do together respecting culture and I think that it is um, a wonderful opportunity that I've had so many, so many to see at these formal public occasions such recognition for culture. When I was here in 1999 at the invitation of the Institute of Policy Studies and at a symposium about the connection between culture, democracy and the public service, I said the more unified and homogenised our political structures become, the more people will turn to indigenous cultures for an expression of themselves. We live by stories and the principles by which stories are selected, the skills with which they are told, and their resonance or otherwise in our own culture is a fundamental democratic concern. And isn't there something wonderful to see a young, beautiful woman being able to say not only that she was going to give us the song, Tauron, Akasalian, but able to say where it came from. And in exactly the same way I've had on occasion after occasion here throughout New Zealand people being able to say, this has to do with the spirit, this has to do with the land, this has to do with the basket of darkness, this has to do with the basket of joy, this has to do with memory. That is such an important, important part of our future together on this planet, being able to go backwards with respect and then because we have placed all our cultures side by side with each other to go forward with imagination. And when two making use of the imagination that is available to us today.
and in a world in which we live with a myriad of global challenges that will affect the future of the planet that we live on, all of these indigenous cultures, the technological science capacity of the present, and the ability to envisage futures that have yet to achieve further aspects of our humanity, these coming together are what we have. These are the materials of our democratic, sustainable, inclusive life together. I think that there's so many Irish people gathered here this afternoon. This is the largest gathering of Irish uh, uh, since I came. And I do want to thank yourselves, uh, your, the people who are your friends and your hosts in New Zealand for the welcome that they've extended to the thousands of Irish people who've made this country their home for such a long time. The people of Ireland take great pride in the contribution that many of these new arrivals have made to New Zealand. And I must say in Christchurch, I had the wonderful opportunity of meeting people of all skills who are helping in the reconstruction work after the earthquake. But at every level in New Zealand, people speak highly of the contribution the Irish people have made, and Irish people that have made speak warmly of the rest, the, the depth and insincerity of the reception that they have made. There is a statue in Christchurch to John, to John Robert Godley, who founded Christchurch, and we were had a look, the, the good fortune to be able to travel to the Waitangi Park and be able to see where William Hobson had played such a key role in the Waitangi negotiations. I stressed there that, that what that is is a focal point for process, a focal point for discussing things that can deal with the present and the future. It is a point from which one departs. I often think, too, of very interestingly, more than a decade after, what he had felt was a bit of a failure, but a partial success. Uh, Michael David visited Australia and New Zealand, 1895 to 1896. He was in New Zealand in 1896. The land war had taken place in 1879 to 1882. Curiously, he was in favour of a leasehold system of land so that those who worked the land would get the most benefit from it. But he, with Parnell, is of course the person who in fact addressed the issues of landlordism in Ireland. But Michael Davitt made many references to people like John Balance and others. And he drew attention to a very important essay that had been written, more or less advocating that the mistakes of landlordism in Ireland shouldn't be repeated in New Zealand. And at this particular stage, new forms of decision-making were emerging, and David was very struck by them. And also, of course, it had been after the 1860 wars, and he made the point as well that those who had ran those and their particular aspirations for the land had not, had, might have been defeated, but that their values had not been defeated. So there are many, many connections in every decade between Ireland and, and New Zealand. I think we should, there are one today, there are one in six New Zealanders who suggest Irish ancestry. And our histories are deeply intertwined. And I hope that my visit, this is my final event, uh, will help to deepen and strengthen and encourage every strand of our relationships into the future. 
and I do want to thank those who are working to promote greater awareness of the historic and cultural links between Ireland and New Zealand, as well as those, of course, who are encouraging trade and business and economic relations. And as I say, son, going back again to the songs you heard and to the music you heard, it is very important to remember that those of us who have, if you like, a respect for tradition and to invoke culture, we are far, far from stuck in the past. Because as you might have heard in those final pieces of music, and as the Kyoltori would explain to you, it's we can be celebratory and we can have merriment as well. So therefore having respect for tradition in the past doesn't exclude you from any enjoyment of the body or of the spirit in the present, and certainly not from the future. In fact, being, it celebrates the possibilities, as we would say in the Irish language, the endless possibilities that are there for achievement. May I thank all those who are working here and working between us to promote greater awareness of the historic and cultural links between Ireland and New Zealand, as well as those encouraging, as I've said, every aspect of our connection together. I think I realise, and as a former minister with responsibility for cultural institutions, uh, that I am in a very significant cultural institution. I do want to pay tribute to those who have make, 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 made all of this possible. I think uh, uh, equally as well, heritage and memory are so important. In more than one speech here and in Australia, I've been pointing out about how it is a very great ethical achievement to be able to go back and address issues, issues from which my, one may have a fixed opinion and revisit them. And in doing so, I often quote Hannah Arendt who is saying, what one must do is that one must strike a bargain with a great wrong so as to make sure that it doesn't deprive you of possibilities in the present or imagination in the future. I thought about that when we had the privilege of visiting the site of the Treaty of Waitangi, and also when on the previous day at the Te Tohu exhibition at the National Library. And I'm very conscious as well that when I speak about memory and its inclusiveness, but we are in a war memorial museum now extended to be a general museum. And I think that if future generations are to benefit from learning from the mistakes of the past, it is vital that we seek to recall the horror from the accounts of those who experienced it. And we do this by, while remembering the personal bravery of the people who fought, suffered and died in World War One. A war, a, war, a war that robbed us of a generation of young people in Europe and beyond. So despite the great distance between our countries, we are anything but strangers. We are both countries with small populations, proud of our democratic traditions, our commitment to international institutions, such as the United Nations and its agencies, where we work side by side. And we have a commitment expressed best, I think, maybe something that New Zealand has given a, a heading to the world on, and that is in its opposition to nuclear armaments and the threat of nuclear uh, attacks. When Ireland joined the United Nations, the very first thing we did was in fact actually to sponsor the anti-proliferation treaty in relation to nuclear. Again, we did the same thing just recently when we cooperated with New Zealand. And finally, I must say this too, 
those of us who are my age and the rest of it, we're people who remember the affair of the Rainbow Warrior. And we are people who admire the tenacity and courage of this New Zealand government in standing up to great powers to defend its sovereignty and its right to be non-nuclear. I hope we're okay. I think that it is, fi I'm finishing now, in relation to matters of trade. <laughs> I'm just hoping that just to say that everyone is well. But in relation to the different meetings I've had, I've had the privilege of having two meetings already with your new Prime Minister. I so wish her and her government well and the people of New Zealand well. And we discuss the opportunities that are there. For Ireland being a bridge into the 500 million people of the European Union for New Zealand. For New Zealand to be a bridge through which we will pass to the different trading opportunities in, in Asia. I think that all of this is very important. And there are things that are very earthy about it all. I'm glad that New Zealand was represented at the Ploughing Championships in Tullamore. And that, and, and that reminded me of something else as well that was very interesting. And that was this. I met some fine, strong managers of dairy farms down in Christchurch. And the man who was in charge of them said, we have a shortage here of people in relation to the dairying sector. And I drew attention as well to the challenges we must do together. If we want, on the one hand, that contradiction of expanding produce, but at the same time meeting our international obligations in relation to carbon emissions and sustainable development, we have to reconfigure everything. And on matters like that, we can cooperate in both science and technology and exchanging information. May I say, as well as that, that in sport, we have a very a wonderful... I congratulate the Black Ferns. I also say that with that Ireland... Uh, whole world congratulate you and what a great event we had at the women's rugby in, in, in Dublin which makes us into a great position to be able to advertise what we believe is a really the very best bet for the world rugby in 2023 <laughs> now in relation to a very famous game when one is mentioning rugby game in, in relation to Boston the general, the general attitude of Kiwis, I think, that I have met is to say, well, if it had to be anybody, it was just as well it was the Irish. <laughs> and I think that, uh, um, that's You will be as pleased as I am that part of my visit here to New Zealand was to be able to formally announce that the Irish government has taken a decision to open a resident embassy here in New Zealand and that New Zealand will be doing the same. I just have two things to say, and that is, is that as part of our diaspora, it's, I, of course it's in our constitution that the President of Ireland and I interpret my role as president as president of all of the Irish, wherever they may be. But it's also very important to thank that diaspora for their assistance to us, not just in the past, but in the present and indeed in recent times. And it will be very even more important in the future. I also want to thank any of you who have been reaching out a hand. It is part of the nature of our Irishness, its best aspect, that we care for each other, it's 
We live out of each other and we score Kelia Warmid. So therefore we must help each other. And I think then finally, may I just say this. As is, as I met a woman in Australia and she said to me, I had been mentioning uh, as part of my sociological background the difference between people writing letters from America in the past in the 19th century and people writing letters from Australia. And she said, will you tell them to write a letter when you go home? <laughs> so therefore I am delivering my promise. Uh, and I want to say to you New Zealand as well, this is much, even if you have Skype, this is the message. She said, this is what she said, get a letter is a grand thing and tell them to write. And she said, getting the letter from New Zealand is a grand thing too. So therefore I'm encouraging them at home to write to you and you to write to them. Anyway. Could, uh, so we must restore our epistolary tradition. Is it the Kurade could fought the skirt? Arish gonna meal a marke, asacht on Firkin Folsha at Darish of Rowan. Ermahanhin is that on Mathan Kade Saivin, Eatsan Gilirita, Chastalam, and Tere to honor son on Realtish, gonna meal a meal a meal a buikas as on Firkin Folsha at Darish of Rowan. Thank you so much for the warmth and enthusiasm of your welcome. <laughs>